0: at www.mapministry.org. Today's message is an audio conversation entitled "The Fivefold Appeal to Be Justified by Faith Alone." This is part three of three. All
1: right. Anyone else have anything? Yeah. And again, how can we not be confident when we trust in Jesus, who was perfect, instead of in ourselves? So the first point in the commentary is the unbeliever does not know God. The second is the unbeliever serves false gods. Even before their conversion, the Galatians had sensed their need for God. They had not been atheists or agnostics. They had been a religious people, seeking to become acceptable to God. This, of course, meant that they had been enslaved to heathen gods, religion and worship, rituals and ceremonies, rules and regulations, superstitions and idols. So they were really worshipping, but they were worshipping false gods. And anything other than the truth is false. There's only one truth. And there are whole religions today where they they go to church. And my, my wife's family is Catholic. And they go to church faithfully. They read the Bible. They pray. But they're taught there's no salvation outside of the Catholic church. Uh, but you have to be in the Catholic church in order to go to heaven. According according to what they teach, there's no hope for my wife. Because she left that church when she learned the truth of the gospel That Salvation isn't by the catechism and confirmation and the sacraments, but through Jesus. And there are millions of people in the world in that same situation, where they're confident they're going to heaven because their priest or pastor tells them that, and they have no idea what the truth in the Bible is, or they're too afraid to step out in faith and trust Jesus. So what other situations situations can you think of where people are worshipping
2: false gods, but they believe they're worshipping the truth? Yeah, I think there's even uh, there's even men and women who have sat under the gospel where the gospel is being preached Sunday after Sunday. They sit there and they they have a good head knowledge of the right. gospel. They they uh, would even be able to go out and tell others unbelievers the gospel because they've heard it so many times, but it's all up in their head. And but the gospel is a gift. The Bible says, uh, "For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord." So if the gospel is a gift, then it could be compared to a gift at Christmas time. If I point at that gift and I say, "I know everything about that gift. I know the color of it, the width, the height." And you could go around explaining all of that, but until you receive that gift, until you reach out and you say, I will receive that as my own, only then does it become, uh, personal and it becomes yours. And it's at that moment that you become born again. Uh, and so, you know, it doesn't just have to be the Catholics or, or the Mormons or the Jehovah Witnesses. It's whatever, wherever you are, uh, there, It has to go from your head to your heart. Someone once said, um, uh, how how do they say, uh, Hell, heaven and hell are only 30 inches apart, from the head to the heart, and that is exactly the truth. God says he judges our hearts, and so God can see our
1: hearts. He knows if they've been made new. God promises to make them new if we turn to him. But we can't trick him on the outside, even before Judas betrayed Jesus. He knew about it. Jesus knew, because Jesus knew Judas's heart. And the other apostles didn't, because they were looking on the only thing they could see on the outside. But God knows our hearts, so we need to make sure our hearts are right, because we're not going to be able to trick God. The commentary goes on and says they have an idea of God, who He is and what He is like, and they worship that idea. But few ever see God's revelation of Jesus in Jesus Christ Himself. So they're content as they are. They know they, they have their own idea of who they, they were taught. This is what religion is. This is what Christianity is. And they don't want to step out and search the scriptures. They don't want to cry out to God, show me who you are. Show me who Jesus is. Comfortable back there. Yeah, but only temporarily. Yep. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 17 and 18 says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. That's quoting from the Old Testament. But that's what God expects of his people, to be separate from the world, do what they do. And yet, just like in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus explained to the people that it wasn't just outward. It wasn't just that you haven't killed anybody. But everything Jesus taught was a matter of the heart. And so when you come out from among those people and be separate, when we're not like the world, Mm -hmm. Jesus taught it's not a matter of, Outward appearance only. I mean, we should still dress modestly. We should still obey the law and obey our parents. But God's how He sees things is a matter of the heart. So we have have we come out from the world in our hearts? Have we left the things that the world loves? Have we stopped the sin that the world loves? Do we love what God loves? That's how God sees things.
2: Well, you quoted you quoted a uh, the the Second Corinthians scripture chapter six. Uh, come out from among them and in another place there at, in Romans, uh, chapter 12, it talks about be not conformed to this world. Um uh, I have a question. What is the world? What does it mean when it says don't be conformed or come out from among, uh, them? What does it mean? What is the world? Anybody want to try to answer that one?
3: Yeah. I believe the world is, is like unbelievers, um, you know, the Bible the classes of the world as lying, stealing, cheating, uh, thieving, things like that. Those are the things of the world. So um, when it says to come out from among them, you know, we can't leave the world physically, but it's talking about leaving uh, um, our position as an unbeliever from walking according to our own uh, desires and lusts to following after the Spirit of God. That's a good point, I think, because it says one John, I believe, as many as are led by the spirits of God, these are the sons of God,
1: and some of the people we know work with prisoners, and yet there are a lot of prisoners who truly know God, who have become born again, they're still in there wearing the same uniforms as the they were before they were christ. they're in there eating the same food, sleeping in the same cells, but they've come out from the world, and they've been they're different now. And like the Bible says, he receives them as their sons, as his sons and daughters. Because it's not a matter of they don't get a new, wear a suit and tie now, but their heart's different. And so that same prisoner who before killed somebody, now, like the Apostle Paul, has been made new. And he's not that same person because he's been made new. So when God tells us to come out and be separate from the world, he's talking about the heart. Like David said, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. So when God calls us to come out from the world, He's still looking at our hearts.
3: It's hard to understand sometimes, don't it? Because, it's, you know, about so doing a lot of things, and we're talking about being justified by works, it kind of it could be a little confusing. But, I you know, you said the heart. You know, but only God can give you a new heart. said in uh, Jeremiah somewhere back there. He said, I'll give them a new heart. My spirit, I'll put in them. I'll give them a heart of flesh. That old, old, stony heart. Something Great. like that, I think. Yeah.
1: This commentary on the Amish Voice has some questions after that section. What does it mean to know God? So what
2: does it really mean to know God? Well, I, I think um, for myself, I mean, what does it mean to know know the first president of the United States versus knowing maybe your wife or your your husband or your son or daughter? You know, uh, if if you ask me, do you know uh, George Washington? Do you know about him? You know, versus really having met met someone that you know. There's there's a there's a big difference, and I think uh, people, even good people, look at God as someone like George Washington who they know all about, but they don't know him personally. They've never met him they don't walk in his spirit and in his presence and in his power. Uh, those those who are born again will experience God and know him in a very personal way because almost, it's almost like, you know, husband and wife. That's real good.
1: So how can we get to know
2: God better if we know him already a little bit? Sure. To read and study and apply his word is one of the big things and then just to spend time in god's presence
1: people go to church every week that don't know god people even pray and talk to others about god but to know god better you have to just like with the husband and wife or you get to have to spend time with them love them care about what they care about like lydia said to seek god in his in the scriptures how can we claim to desire god if we don't even listen so if you don't spend time with god then try to make it a goal to get up in the mornings or take some time during the day and to read the Bible on your own with your family and pray together and ask God to show you what he says.
2: Well, I think for those of us who have uh, experienced the new birth, it we know when we uh, are walking in the Spirit and when we're not. It's, uh, it's the difference of day and night and, you know, some of the hours hours of my life have been when i'm closest to god when i feel his presence and power uh, it's for me it's not possible to always uh, feel that strong about god or feel that close to god you know particularly if you're having a day when things are going wrong and and into um, things into your own hand kind of and you kind of get out from underneath that presence and power of god Yes, but then later you you go back in and, and you remember how how sweet it is. Yeah.
1: And if you don't know that peace and joy what he's talking about, then you probably don't know God. So, so take the opportunity to seek Him now. Well, He may be found. And if you if you have questions or you want to talk to you can contact the address or phone number that's listed on the Amish Voice. Phone number there is four one nine nine six two one five one five If you want to hear this conference call again, you can dial 641-715-3800 and put in the PIN number 89752. There's a couple more points at the end of this section in the commentary. Note the results of backsliding, of turning back to the world and seeking to please God by self-effort and self-righteousness. A person becomes enslaved in that he tries to please God by keeping the rules of the law, but he finds he cannot. But he still slavishly tries, and tries again. However, it is all to no avail, for the man finds himself still in the bondage of sin and death. He still sins, and he still dies, and there is no absolute assurance within of eternal life. And it is the lack of assurance of knowing that one is acceptable to God that is so enslaving. The question and doubt of living with God gnaws and gnaws at man, always without the sheer knowledge and assurance of God's love. Perfect assurance and security come only through faith in Jesus Christ. And be a person lives a wasted life. Every approach to God fails in Jesus in Jesus Christ. Every approach leads to death and condemnation. Therefore, every life that approaches God by any other means than faith in Jesus Christ is a wasted life. And it quotes Hebrews 10.38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. So God doesn't want us to live wasted lives. That's why he sent Jesus to die for us. Because he sent Jesus to be sin for us, to take our sin. So why would we still want to live? And those of you who have tried to please God by works know what this is talking about. You try and you try and you <clears throat> do good things and you go to church and you read the Bible and you pray and you're always wondering, is it good enough? Will I please God? Is this enough to get me into heaven? And God's answer is no. Rough. Any other comments or questions?
2: It's a good feeling to know that there is nothing that I can do on my own because if there was... I messed it up,
1: yeah, and we'd always be afraid that we didn't do it right or something went wrong, Absolutely. all right, then remember another next conference call, the first Sunday in September, September first, we can discuss the article on the family or answer talk about some of your questions or concerns, and then, on October sixth, guest Bruce Langeman, the author of To Kill a Lion: Destroying the Power of Lust from the Root, so it'll be more like the John Regeer sessions where. He's got experience in helping people deal with their sins.
2: Many of the people who receive the Amish Voice have ordered the book, and some of uh, the people on the line may even have read the book. And I would really encourage them to to come on because Bruce is is even better in person than he than he is in his book. I mean, he's uh, he's got a love for the Lord and uh, has a heart to help people are struggling in some of the areas of lust and pornography and areas like that so i would just really like to encourage people to uh spread the word and i know it's a little ways off but uh, put it on your calendar join us and uh and uh, it'll be a blessing to you
1: yeah and write down questions if you have them for him and you can ask him and get it straight from him so jonas you want to close in prayer
3: i will Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Father, for this opportunity that we've had to come together, and, and Father, to study your word. And, Father, it's a precious opportunity that we have, that we still have your word and that you have promised to keep it even to this present generation. Father, that we can go and read your word and realize that this word is actually a part of you. It is your heart, and, and that we can be sure when we read your word that it is your will. And, Father, I thank you for the words that give us encouragement. I thank you for these words that give us hope. Uh, hope, Father, that we don't have to trust in our own uh, works to, to uh, obtain salvation. But, Father, the, the precious promise that you've given us, that through your Son, Jesus, that we can receive a free gift of salvation that, that will carry us for, for, for eternal, eternal life. And that you will always be with us. I thank you, Father, for these for these promises. I thank you, Father, for the people that have been with us tonight. Father, I pray a blessing on each and every person that has been on this call tonight. I pray that you will bless us with open hearts, open minds. You will continue to feed us with your word, and that you will guide us and direct in directing our life. And Father, um, I pray that you bless the ministry that that. Uh, these Amish voices and that sends them out, Father, I pray that you will continue to give them wisdom and guidance and direction. Father, the ultimate thing that we're reaching for is to to build your kingdom, Father, the kingdom of God that that began when Jesus went, went to the cross, and as Jesus said, people are beginning to press into the kingdom of God. And, Father, we want to see that happen. That's why we're here. It's not about us. It's not about personal gain. But, Father, it's all for your honor and glory and for your kingdom. I pray these things in Jesus'
2: name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast series. Check out Mission to Amish People online at www.mattministry.org or keep up to date with us on Facebook and Google+. Thank you again and have a blessed day.